hidden behind closed doors. This is Beer and Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. Jason, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to discuss 1961's The Colossus of Rhodes. Michael, what are we drinking today? Oh boy. Got a big beer about a big movie about a big colossus. <laughs> we're drinking Milpocalypse from Millstream Brewing out of Iowa. They sponsored us with this. We have to thank them Absolutely. so much. They sent us this. It's a Belgian quad style. And if you know your beers, you know Belgian quad's going to mean one thing at least. It's big. This thing is big and <laughs> chewy. It's a 13.3%. It hides that 13.3. I don't know how, but it's delicious. This thing, we've been sipping it a little yep. bit, talking about it. You get that deep fruit, plum, stone fruit. Raisins, I get raisins, dates. Yep. As it warms a little bit, I almost get like a caramel, almost butterscotch. Nice brown oh, sugar, yeah. caramel color to oh, it. That's a beautiful color. I got to be honest, I'm blown away. I I love Belgian Belgian style beers. Belgian quads are great. I'm this. I'm in love with this. Millstream. If you know me, I'm from Iowa. Millstream's been around since 1985. They do some fantastic beers. I did not know this one even existed. They sent it to us, and I was, I just went, oh goodness gracious! I can't wait to put this on, a, on an episode. And when you picked this movie, <laughs> I was, I was going back and forth. There were different beers I was looking at, and then I, I was looking at this, and I said, this just makes sense to me. The Mill Apocalypse, and it has Alpha and Omega, and you know Greek letters. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, and, it, and this thing is the Alpha and Omega. Exactly. I can't tell you how much I'm enjoying this. Cheers again. Cheers again. You're liking it, right? I am, and it has a, a little a viscous taste. You know, it's a little um, the viscosity. Of yeah, it. yeah. And it has a malty sweet taste to it. You don't get that over alcohol. Like it's this is hidden. There's a lot of hiding in this movie. There should almost be a warning label. Some Sometimes, I mean, I love it because I don't, I don't necessarily want my beers to be overly boozy. Yeah. Like sometimes you go to smell it, yeah. it blows your hair back, yeah. and it gives you the warning. Cleans like your a, sciences like, out. Yeah, like a trumpet <laughs> that just says, be careful. You're treading into some deep water. This one's sneaky. It's so easy. We've had them on, on the show before. They do fantastic beer. What I love is they run the entire spectrum. You get a nice light beer. They do an amazing amber. They do stuff like this. That's just like this huge gargantuan beer. Do some barrel aged stuff. You can get a great IPA. So I just I love breweries that cover our spectrum of beer. And these guys are doing it nails. If you can get your hands on their stuff, do it. Absolutely. So Jason, there's a lot of question when you pick this movie <laughs> because you have a lot of your your Hercules movies that are clearly B movies. This one seems pretty big budget. I'm going to put you on the spot, as I do sometimes. Yeah. You have to defend why it's a B-movie, because there is something budgetary-wise. This thing looks like a big spectacle. I chose this movie. We watched it on the Warner Archive DVD. And I chose it because you're right. There was a genre of movies. It has a term, Peplin. And they were Italian-made sword and sandal movies that basically ran from 58 to 65. What kicked off this peplum craze was Kirk Douglas's 1954 movie Ulysses. After that, everybody wanted to make these sword and sandal epics in Italy. This is an example of that genre. Yes, it does look like a bigger budget, but it's still an example. The period was so short from 58 to 65. 
after that, the Spaghetti Westerns rolled in and the Eurospy rolled in. And you didn't see that genre take off again until maybe in the 80s. At this point, I have to issue a spoiler alert because we're going to start talking about the movie itself, which means we'll be giving away all of the plot, the beginning, the middle, the end. Pause, watch the movie, come back, or just stay with us and we'll tell you what happens. And since this movie could be a bit confusing, we're going to do an overall summary now. Our Greek warrior hero, Dario, is taking some R&R on the island of Rhodes where his uncle lives. It just so happens it's the unveiling of the Colossus that has been built over the Rhodes Harbor. Apparently there's a rebellion that's taking place on the island. He ends up taking part of it. There's a lot of backstabbing about who's actually going on. It's very confusing. At the end... Double crosses. <laughs> triple cross. Exactly. So yeah, it, it's palace intrigue. And at the end, the Colossus falls due to an earthquake. The rebels win and Dario rides off into the sunset with his new woman. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars... Rory Calhoun, who for many of us... There's a movie called Motel Hell. That was one of his latter day movies. Fantastic movie. If you have, <laughs> basically, if you're into this podcast, you're familiar with Motel Hell. I just think it's a cool movie. There's some really disturbing things in that movie. He was also a big star in the westerns before he became this latter day B movie guy. He was big in in the western genre. He also at this point had a striking resemblance and style to Dean Martin. And he was a ladies' man in real life. And also Roy Calhoun, for another group of us, <laughs> was mentioned in The Simpsons when Mr. Burns, the 101 Dalmatians episode, when he wanted to make make a suit out of a bunch of dogs, puppies. At one point, the puppies are getting up and Smithers says, uh, Roy Calhoun, sir. <laughs> and he goes, they look like a bunch of Rory Calhouns. It is a great name. It's so cool. And Rory Calhoun has a place... Really important place in Hollywood history. He's like the only actor that we really know. The only other name and the real big name connected to this movie is Sergio Leone, who many of us know. We've talked about it before. We grew up in a house with our fathers, loved Westerns. My dad loved the old school Westerns of John Ford and John Wayne and all that. But my dad also loved those spaghetti Westerns which were so nasty and dirty, where you could feel the sweat and the filth and everybody was just, ugh. And Sergio Leone, of course, was sort of the king of that mountain, made such great movies. And you do see there are elements in this movie that you see that translate. You go, I see exactly where he's going. This was his first movie. You do see where some of those cool shots come from. I do have to point out that this movie is not historically accurate at all. You mean Rory Calhoun <laughs> wasn't back there? <laughs> it takes place in 280 BC in the Hellenistic period. There was a Colossus of Rhodes. There's a lot of conjecture how it looked or where it stood. Think standing over a harbor with two legs over a harbor. That's probably inaccurate. Historical records said it took about 12 years to build. And if you built it that way, you'd have to shut down your harbor for 12 years. It did indeed falter i believe in 224 due to an earthquake there was no rebellion like this on Rhodes. there was no king cerces on Rhodes. Rhodes, if you're looking at greek map it's an island chain that's the east of crete and of the mainland greece 
It's not historically accurate at all. It's just a sword and sandal epic, and they wanted to use a Colossus at that time. And the idea of a Colossus straddling the harbor is it's pretty cool. It's pretty darn it, cool, it, it, man. Exactly. And, <laughs> and what they have going on with this thing is pretty wild. Oh, yeah. What's also really wild, Jason, is aside from the historical inaccuracies, they have characters, wildly confusing names. Since it is dubbed, it's hard to find the right names. And they cast three actors who look like brothers, like almost (laughs) twin brothers, triplet brothers. And they play different roles to the point that it took me several viewings. At one point, one of them dies and I kept going, well, this is terrible because that guy died a little bit ago and here he is later in the film. And it wasn't until like the fourth, fifth viewing that I, that I realized, oh, it's a different guy. They just look exactly alike. This makes things a little confusing. And it really makes things confusing when we're beer and B movies. <laughs> and sometimes I want to have beer with the movie. <laughs> oh, no, Michael, the first and, and I'm going to tell you right now. Do not drink Millpocalypse and watch this movie. It's going to be hard enough straight sober. Yeah, exactly. It's hard to follow this. Millpocalypse, you will be so confused, you won't even know your own name. The first viewing at the end, I'm not sure I know exactly what happened. And I'm not sure even the main character has anything to do with the plot line that's going around him. He's just there to look good. He's Jack Burton. Exactly. And, and, and Jason, this is the first time, and I hope it's the only time, that I ever thought... I might have to call Jason and say, do we really want to do this movie? Because it was confusing. I didn't know what was going on. And I went, I don't know how to attack this movie. Yeah. It's really, really hard. I was sitting there. I'm just, I was tapping my pen and I was going, I don't, I never want to do that. I never want to like, because we both have that option Yes. to say, dude, I don't want to do this movie. Yeah. And I said, you get one of those. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like there's one of those. If we get into a second one, the band's breaking up probably. But, but I was I was just thinking, does Jason really want to do this? Well, it's a two hour and ten minute B movie that confuses the hell out of me. Everything I think is payback for Alien Dead. Maybe. Or, or, or for the being. <laughs> Not for the alien, being. For the being. The I, being. I, feel like, I feel sometimes like you're trying to get back at me for the being. <laughs> I was trying to find a sword and sandal epic that was not covered by MST3K or Riff Tracks. And I thought, okay, well, this is a higher production one. Let's give it a shot. And then I was like, I'm completely confused of what's going on. <laughs> Didn't help that we were always pulled apart by the costume choices. Oh, yes. I had to look this up because I was pretty <laughs> sure Rory Calhoun's character, Dario, his clothing is really, it looks like He's about to get in a ring as a professional wrestler. And everything is cut short. We're talking crotch level short. There is a shot, and it was very uncomfortable, (laughs) where he's laying next to a fire. And you can see he's sort of uncomfortable because the shot would be looking up his tunic. He's very uncomfortable. He's very self-conscious and and sort of trying to make it so you can't see up there. And I know they have something under there. It was hilarious. I think Thar won. There was a point where I went, that's a micro mini. Yeah. And also at one point, Rory Calhoun, I'm convinced, is wearing go-go boots. Yeah. Those look like wrestling ring boots, but with the toes cut out, so it's trying to look like a sandal. (laughs) He was wearing go-go boots like Nancy Sinatra was inspired by this guy. Well, let's dive in to the plot now. I think you mentioned this. Rhodes, 280 BC. Dario is visiting. He's from Greece. He's visiting Rhodes with his uncle. They're unveiling the Colossus of Rhodes, this wonder of the world. 
His uncle keeps telling him, oh, Rhodes is the island of peace. And Dario's right next to him is this gorgeous lady. And immediately he gets pegged. You know, he's a ladies man. He likes to hound. And he's looking this lady over and he goes, there's also the island of beautiful ladies. And meanwhile, you know, the King Cersei. Does he say a word in this movie? The King? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> he, but he has the least amount of lines as of, uh, of all our main characters. Usually just sitting around smirking with a beatnik beard. So they're going to unveil and, and this bowl falls. And, and back then, everything was like, woo, the yeah. gods. We offended the gods. And Thar's saying, no, no, this bowl fell. No big deal. And we get our first assassination attempt, which this dude goes and gets a little close. He should have sealed the deal. This guy just runs out of the crowd, goes to stab the king, and he gets within, like, a step. It was kind of silly where the Rhodes guards, who are guarding the king, they're guarding the bay. They don't seem to do a very good job because... That guy was in the crowd. And there's quite a difference when the crowd is maintained by guards. 60 yards. Yeah, and there's the a good king. 60 yards. And he, he runs ran. the whole way the up open. the stairs in the open. It's at the very end they're able to stop him. Okay, Monty Python moment. <laughs> it reminds me of John Cleese as Lancelot when he's running up on the castle. And he's not getting any closer. And the two guys, two guards are just sitting there eating an apple. And they're watching him, and it's like the drums. And yes. he's, he's not going to close. And then all of a sudden, just, ha, ah, ha, he comes up. That's pretty much what these guards reminded me of. It was like a Monty Python moment of bad guarding. If I was the king, I would look around and go, whoever's in charge of my security needs to lose his head. That's what you did back then. Because this guy should never get this close. This is ridiculous. At the very beginning of the movie, there's two things that step out of my mind. Number one, you're making a hero out of someone who's clearly just a skirt chaser. That's all, all he's here to do. Absolutely. He's no, he's no deeper than that. Throughout the whole movie, there's no more depth of him than that. Maybe a couple scenes where he tries to give a speech. But two, the guards throughout the movie, if you don't need them on guard because of the plot, they're not on guard. And what I love is after this happens, Dario tells his uncle, he goes, this is your island of peace. Exactly. And this is sort of like, this becomes a, a catchphrase. Sort of like, <laughs> I'll be back. I do have to point out that before the scene, there is a small little intro. You have to watch the whole movie to understand where it's the actual rebels rowing a boat into a cave. They're rescuing someone who looks like they tortured. There's a lot of grunting and fighting because they rescue this blonde-haired guy who turns out to He's be... The only blonde... Peleocles. Peleocles. He's the only blonde dude. Yeah. And, and he looks like a young Robert Shaw. We find out he's a nobleman. And, he, and he's actually, leading the rebellion. Yes. So we meet the rebels. They don't like Cersei or the Colossus. The Colossus... Cersei is basically just like this tyrant. He's not a benevolent king. He, the Colossus was built in the backs of slaves in their blood. It's a monument to a tyrant. They're, they're hoping that they can get Greece to support them. And it's a darn good thing that this amazing warrior, Dario, happens to be in town because they keep telling us Dario is this great warrior. So we got to talk to him. Got to get some people in there, get in his ear and say, dude, help us out. Cersei stinks. Does it bother you that they are holding a funeral ceremony for the assassin? I would think that if you tried to assassinate a king, guards would take that body, put it up on a pike. But instead, the rebels get the body back. That's a fair point, Jason. Because, <laughs> you know, the people leading Rhodes don't seem like the type who go, dudes, your assassination attempt failed. Here's the body so you can do a proper burial. Yeah. I wouldn't trust that body. <laughs> I'd go, this body is probably booby-trapped. So then we get to, like, total old-school, like, party where the king's laying down being fed grapes and there's beautiful women laying all around he's just making out with women and there's gymnasts 
that are springing about and everybody's just this Bacchanalian sort of vibe going on. You would think that Dario would just be way into this. He would be under this writhing pile of attractive maidens, but he's really not. He's just kind of hanging out. And I thought from a cinematic point of view that almost like a dance scene with the gymnastics, that's very telling of the time period. And we had talked about this beforehand where this idea of a spectacle of a dance number, because it shows up twice in this movie. It doesn't progress the plot over at all, but it spends time on the spectacle. movie. It just seems an odd portion, but very centered in that period of movies. And then we get our second assassination tab. Which is great because it gives the impression, I don't know how this king lasted this long. <laughs> He sort of stinks. <laughs> Aside from the fact that the people directly around him are trying to usurp him and kill him, you know, he's just... What are they waiting for? This dude walks over <laughs> being kind of a little suspicious, and he's got Rick James hair. He's all, hey, here's a glass of wine for me, just for me. It's just a glass of wine. He's about to just go chug a lug, and I'll get back to the ladies. And Thar stops him and goes, oh, it's so nice of that guy. Maybe he should have the first sip. And King Cersei catches himself and he goes, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Why don't you drink? Why does Thar put a stop to that at that point? We eventually learn that it's Thar... A, it's a, it's it, a darn good point. You know what? Well, for one thing, he doesn't have all his pieces in place. True. He might not be able to just step in and say, gotcha. he doesn't have that all his suits. I'm totally making sense no. out of what... I'm just pulling something out of my yeah. butt. But you're right. It totally makes sense to let him just go down there. But it's pretty awesome because the dude hesitates... Because yeah. he says, you either drink or I'm cutting your head off. Yeah. At that point, I think I'm drinking. And I, <laughs> right? I mean, I mean, if it's maybe you fight, he just goes, tack with it. I'm going to fight. He drinks, walks away, dies. Dario is digging roads less and yeah. less. And his uncle is so chill about this, all this crap going on. Dario dumps his yeah. wine out and says, which I love, he just dumps it on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you did back then. <laughs> and he says, I'm, in, I'm not in the mood for wine. Yeah. And his uncle goes, hey, man, you can drink wine. Just don't be the first to drink. Dario points out, like, two assassinations in the course of a day. That tells you something. But this time, they take the assassin away. You never see them. Dario, he's like, Diala, why don't we go outside? This is, a, this is bumming my vibe out here. Let's go outside. And they do shoot these areas in beautiful areas. He tries to grab and kiss her because that's what he's there. He's, he's there to chase Skirt and Diala is his main choice right now. She runs away like, la la la, laughing and he chases her and we're all sudden in to some hidden, there's a lot of hidden doors, chambers, secret things and he's also in the catacombs of Rhodes where they mummified the ancient rulers. The, the dynasty. dynasty. Yep. He even says the, the yeah. dynasty. Oh, yeah. the whole dynasty is here. And he's walking around. Naming them off. Naming them There's off. There's Jason. Yeah. There's Michael. There's Nestor. And she is standing in one of the alcoves. There's nothing more romantic than trying to make out among mummified remains of 100-year-old dynasties. There was such a different vibe, like approach. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there really was. Like you pointed out. The way we treat death is was very it's different. So, it's time so period. different, and but also still, I, was... I do I, I do have, I do have to say that honestly, Jason, that might have been romantic back then. There's a very cool shot when he gets into that tomb area. There's a great 360 degree shot that Leone does, where it starts on Dario, goes all, all around way. that room because he's looking for Diala. And it comes all the way back to him. It's a cool little shot, and it's something if, if you when you watch this. If you know his other movies, you've seen that. The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. When he, he does a whole shot where he's all three of them. 
right there, you see these little pieces of things that he goes, oh, that's Sergio Leone. So she works him. Because she, before he could seal the deal with a kiss, she pushes another secret button. Okay. And, and it's like a Scooby-Doo. I got to ask you. Do you think she's just playing a flirtatious game? When you watch the rest of the movie, you see what happens. You see where she ends up. Because their their relationship is very confusing, complicated. Right now you don't know it, but she's a villain. But I actually believe that she is smitten by him. Because of how she treats him at the end. So I think, honestly, she is being coy and playing cat and mouse with him right now. She pushes a button and the wall rotates with him. And he's in an underground chamber that's a zoo. I don't think it's a zoo. This is backstage at like the Coliseum and whatever they had where they would throw somebody in and say Saturday matinee, we're going to have all these people eaten by lions. And he's all Dino. And these aren't going to attack in the behind bars. Yeah, they're so. behind bars. But, but he goes, geez, she's like, maybe you'll find some good company. He's yeah. like, good company indeed. Yeah. And he wanders around and it jumps to a scene where the king... We is, find some conspiring. Yes. It's talking with the ambassador of Phoenicia. And saying, Greece has been our traditional ally, but we really want you to be your ally. And now we have this Colossus built. We could have your fleet in here. We could protect everything. Why don't we throw in together, kind of cut Greece out of our deal. And it just so happens at the time, one of the walls rotates. And Dario just kind of stumbles in. Very Dean Martin, Jerry Lewis. Well, doesn't Thar go over? Like yeah. Thar, because he thinks something's going yeah, around. Thar, yeah, Thar picks like, something up, going and, around and he with goes this wall. over, and he's like, he said, "Well, what? How do we know something about Greece?" And then he opens, and there's, there he is. Yeah, yeah. total Dean Martin, acting like Dean Martin, just, just going around. Because he has that black grease hair, that pompadour with the widow's peak, and not taking himself too seriously. Yeah. And so they say, "Hey, Dario, what are you doing?" He says, "Oh, I got trapped back there." Yeah. He's like, and finally, he just gives an aw shucks look, and he goes. Oh, I was chasing a girl. Bum, bum, bum. And you're Dean thinking like a laugh Martin. track. Like you just should light up a cigarette at that point and be like, doobity doo. <laughs> and they let him go. They're, they're all concerned that he is a Greek warrior, that what if he heard something? And they just let him walk away because he was chasing skirt. Well, they're not too worried because Thar said, I'm not letting anybody off this island. I put yeah. the word out. And then we get to some more weird comedy. Just sort of threw me. And it almost all came from Dario. I wasn't sure what was going on. The other piece was this scene where Rebels had said, we need to talk to Dario, try to get him on our side. So we're in his uncle's flat. His uncle is wearing a towel. And his uncle is afraid of storms. It's weird. And then Dario starts talking about how lightning helped him in this fight. Dario's uncle puts earplugs in. And Dario starts talking about how lightning helped him in this battle. This is the closest we ever get to seeing him be like a real amazing battle guy. So as he's saying this, the two rebels come in. The rebels are really bad at rebelling because Peliocles is a talker. You would think you go up. He sneaks in. He goes, hey, Dario. Let's talk. I need to talk. No, they send a couple of thugs to like grab him around the neck. (laughs) And he's supposed to be a great warrior. So of course he's going to fight. So there's this really awkward fight scene between three men in micro miniskirts. It's like a professional wrestling match. (laughs) That's when I thought go-go boots because he's wearing these almost knee-high white go-go boots. It's a kind of a lame fight scene. If you're trying to get someone on your side, we're going to sneak into his room at night with my thugs to grab him and then we'll talk to him. That seems like a really poor idea. Absolutely. Like you're going to scare someone 
in their own bedroom. <laughs> Everything's wrong with that idea. And meanwhile, Peliocles, the guy who could probably do this perfectly yeah. because he is a nobleman. So finally he goes up and sees what a mess these fellows have made. They knock Dario out and they're going to take him away. And meanwhile, the uncle is through the fight, yeah. has found out there's people up there. He gets up and sounds the alarm and they go, dude, we have to leave. At that point, the uncle does not seem to be involved in the rebellion. Because if he was, he wouldn't have banged the gong. But later on, he's with the rebels, and Dario looks at him, he's like, I'm in as deep as you are. And I don't know if it was insinuating, hey, it's just because the rebels eventually captured you that I need to help you out. After watching it multiple times, I'm like, oh, that doesn't kind of make make sense. Unless he didn't know they were the rebels. Yeah, because if you're breaking into someone's house in the middle of the night trying to strangle someone, I'm not going to think they're rebels either. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm laying in bed wearing a towel, and I'm scared of storms. So if force doesn't work, you know a better way to get to Dario is use a woman. So Murte, the, the rebellion's single woman, the only woman in the rebellion... I'm going to go get him. Tell him I can get you off the island. At this point, Dario just goes, I don't like roads. This place stinks. Yeah, so next morning he goes to the market and he's like, I'm trying to find a way out of roads. He's going to try to either hire a boat. So he's wandering around the marketplace and he sees Murte. She's kind of following him. And she offers him a way off roads. She tells him, be at this spot. Dude will give you a signal. I don't know if she mentions he's going to be roasting a fish. But she says, you know, be here. So then we get to... Corinthe, who's built a new weapon, the catapult. This is a brand new weapon, people. I just want to tell you. It's a brand new weapon nobody's ever heard of, nobody's ever seen. But word spreads fast in Rhodes. Corinthe is this guy. He's a great inventor. Diala's his daughter. He doesn't necessarily like his daughter. Sounds like a real (laughs) brat. Also, Corinthe is very confusing because he's a great inventor. He doesn't realize he's not happy that the things he's building are used for, like, bad things. And I just have to tell you, I don't know what the catapult would be used for if it was, like, an early (laughs) delivery system for food. The Colossus, might I say, straddles the harbor holding a giant bowl of flaming oil that gets dumped on people and is just basically a weapon. Corinthe is a confusing character to me because he seems to be sort of bummed. Man, everything I invent, people use for evil... And I go, you're building things that are, there's not much use other than to kill people. And then to progress the plot, and for no reason, Dario has now made a plan. He is going to take Merte's advice. So he first goes up to Thar, who's talking with Corente at this time period, but he doesn't even acknowledge Corente's there. And he says, I need to leave. And Thar's like, why am I blocked? Yeah. What? No can do, buddy. We're not allowing you out. We need to redub this movie with <laughs> yeah, our dialogue. Exactly. He goes to Diala. And he says the same thing. He goes, I'm leaving. I need I need to breathe the air of our own country. Then we get to the old man who's just spit roasting. <laughs> a fish. I mean, this is a dumb thing to wonder, but I kept wondering, is that the same fish? Does he just sit there and eat fish all night? and Or is he spit roasting that same sad fish? And then it looks like the bad part of Rhodes. I'm <laughs> just saying. Like the one scene of like, whoa, that's not the area of Rhodes I want to walk through. So, you know, the, the signal's given and the old man even says something along the line. We're waiting a long time. <laughs> <laughs> just sitting here they get on the boat and they're trying to sell the harbor this whole flipping deal here is just we're talking the high noon the way this harbor is designed you could see any movement from anywhere around the city there is no sneaking out the colossus straddles the harbor entrance with this flaming bowl and what it does it'll open at the bottom and just dump i guess oil 
Imagine the timing you have to have on that. To have the boat lined up right... Part of me is like, I don't know if that would actually happen. You'd have to have multiple lookouts like signaling each other because a person in the Colossus is not going to be able to see that boat. But also, Jason, it seems like <laughs> a waste of resources. I would save that for somebody invading me, not a tiny boat that's like, hey, we're going to go out fishing. Because like, there was five rebel boats going out. Exactly. Like the first one was yeah. hitting yeah, six because, and everyone's like, open. we're good now. Then you have to, fill, yeah. I mean, you, basically you just send a dummy in. Yeah. It's sort of ridiculous. They waste an entire bowl of the burning stuff on these guys. Fortunately, the main ones don't get any kind of burns. No. And they jump in the water and they swim. They all get caught. Nobody thinks to dispose of this parchment. Thar confronts Dario, opens this parchment up, and says, "Man, this is a this is the whole thing where they're saying, hey, Greece, come help us against Rhodes. Rhodes stinks. Dario's our buddy." And Dario has no idea. He said, I'm just trying to get home, dude. Why did you guys hold on to that very incriminating piece of evidence? Yeah, everything you know? is just dropping the ocean. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. It's like we found a body with only one hand. And then they pick me up and I've got a hand that fits perfectly on that body. And I go, ah, I should have disposed of that. that what a minute. That's bad on that, me. Nah. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. But he's torturing. Oh, this was I'm, a... I'm always procrastinating. <laughs> and this was a strange torture scene. Dario, of course, is not being tortured. He's still a nobleman. But the rest of the rebels are being tortured with a mixture of being acid being dropped on their skin. And then a bell where a bell's dropped over someone and you just bang the bell until their eardrums. Oh, yeah, the bell thing. Never heard of that. Just drop a bell over you and start beating it. And, and I thought that just seems fun, kind of funny. But then we talked about it and I went, no, that would be horrible. So at this point, Thar has the rebels. He has Dario and he has the leadership of the rebels. And But the next morning... A boatload of slaves arrives. And we're going to put slaves in quotation marks. These are supposed to be Macedonian slaves, capture men. And everybody's wondering, you know what? The the scuttle on the street is there's not enough work for the existing slaves. What are these people doing? What's King Cersei's doing? Because <laughs> there's going to be a lot more dancing troops. Yeah, and they're brought to the Temple of Baal. And I, just, I had to do a deep dive in the Temple of Baal. Baal was not a deity that would have existed at this time period on this island. It looks I'm like so a- done with this movie. <laughs> That was the final straw. The slaves end up being Phoenician soldiers. Yes. Fortunately, when this all goes down, Koros, who's one of the rebels, he's the knife thrower. Okay. (laughs) Right? Didn't know his name. I just referred to him as knife thrower. Koros, yeah. I called him knifey. But he he sees all these, you know, quote unquote slaves being taken in. He's going, something's not right here. He sneaks right in to the palace to where Thar is meeting all these people. And I thought that's either he's really good or that security's bad. I think both the rebels and the guards, they deserved each other because they're both fail at multiple points. Thar's scheme is now revealed. He plans on killing King Cersei and taking over Rhodes. And the Phoenicians are going to be his pals. And these guys, he's going to stash them down below, which these people are very trusting because he opens a secret compartment with some stairs and says, go down there and hide until I need you. More secret compartments in the city. And they they just willingly run down there. So, and meanwhile, Knifey, Koros is watching and he goes, better go warn some people and just gets right back out from a giant opening 
Giant sneaky hole. And he runs and tells the rebellion because what's going to happen next, he also learns that they're going to bring in the current rebels that were being tortured and they're all going to be sacrificed. So Knifey is able to run back because then you're, you are in the temple again and this time it's all pageantry. The king is there. They have the sexy dance. They, they have, have all these sexy dance numbers. These women on stairs. It's just like they're doing super well, sexy once stuff. Once again, it's like a dance that you would find in a movie from this time period and you're putting it in here because you're thinking movie lovers, they want to see a dance. Or in a movie. Vegas show <laughs> introducing Robert Goulet. Exactly. You'd have these ladies would be on the stairs and, they'd be, and then Robert Goulet would walk down. And there's dry ice coming out of the mouth of the ball and down the stairs. Yeah. It's awesome. It's so much fun. But before that can happen, all of a sudden, Koros, we can call him Knifey. Yeah. If you want. But Knifey, he got a whole bunch of rebels. They came in. They're breaking everybody free. This whole fight breaks out. It's a fun little fight. People are going after each other. It's, oh, it's helter skelter. It's craziness. All of a sudden, King Cersei and his guards, they go, these people we're going to execute have overtaken us. We're running. How did this kingdom stay up? (laughs) You know? So they retreat. And, And at that point, I'm wondering, we just knew that Thar put a bunch of Phoenician warriors under there. Why didn't Thar think, you know what, this might be a good idea. I could eliminate the king and the rebels all at one time because I have a whole army sitting below here. But no, once again, he's like, let's run with the king. We don't My know if they're armed. Not completely I, don't, in. I don't know if they're armed. Yeah, yeah it makes no sense. Yeah. But also, one of the things I love is after they retreat and the rebels, one of them bellows out, let's go back to the caves of the sto- in the stone <laughs> desert, basically saying, this is where our hideout is. Let's go back to 133 Maple Street. I mean, he yells it really loud. I and, and I just thought, don't we all know? Why do you have to yell that out, George? Keep your secret base secret. Yes. <laughs> Rule number one of any rebellion. And Dario finds out when he leaves the temple too that his uncle's there. And this is where the point I had mentioned where his uncle looks at him and says, I'm in as deep as you are. Did he just join the rebels? Was he always a rebel? I feel like his uncle sort of goes whichever way yeah. the wind blows. So that's a good time to take a break because we're at the midpoint of this very long movie and it's so convoluted. Even disgusting, I'm like, wait a second. It's getting a little more of the caramel. This apocalypse. I can tell you this, 13 ABV percent, I'm feeling it. 13.3. Yeah. This rascal is, is a colossus. <laughs> I don't know, do you pick up any more of the caramel that I was talking about? There was almost a, at one point I thought butterscotch. There was kind of a caramel sweet that as, as, sweet. It, as it warms a little bit. This thing is just beautiful. It's almost a good thing I can't get this out here. <laughs> I drink a couple of these and watch Colossal Roads oh, all over again. Boy, <laughs> Maybe I, it will make sense. You know, I don't know if they ever had it on tap, but I can only imagine if you went into a place and had it on tap. You go, can we sit here and talk about our movie? <laughs> <laughs> Cancel the rest of my plans for the rest of the day. And you've been out there. You've been to their brewery. Millstream? Yeah. So, oh, yes. But several times. When I was in college, it wasn't far. I went to the University of Iowa. So it'll be a fun little day trip. They've expanded since then. They have more seating. Beautiful outdoor area. It's just out west of Iowa City. It's gorgeous. They have bought a restaurant, but I don't know if they own it anymore. But it's like right next door. All of their beers are on tap at this restaurant. Fun little place. Very traditional German-style food. Actually, we were there back in early 2021 and had a nice little day. Just going to the brewery. Had cheese curds because I can't get good cheese curds out here. I can't find them. But it's, it's a great little experience. It should be on a bucket list for anyone. Right off Interstate 80. 
I have to thank them and Rebecca for sponsoring the show. Just never enough thanks when anybody does something like this because we, we love doing this. When she reached out, she likes the podcast, which to me is just like... Feather in the cap. Perfect. Yep. You know, it's like that's just a dovetail joint right there. My first reaction sometimes is, okay, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because James and I really love this, but, you know, and I know I'm just, I'm being, I'm being flippant. I'm, be, I'm being silly. When they reached out and said, we really like what you're doing. And I said, that's awesome. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of this brewery for so long. This is our first episode. There will be another episode featuring Millstream down the road. Thank you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Coro spills the beans, tells them, hey man, Thar's got an entire army hidden below that building. And Peliocles, not necessarily sure what's so great about him, because his whole thing is, we can't do anything. We have to break into the Colossus and free our imprisoned brothers, because there's some secret opening in the Colossus that will open a prison far, far away. That took multiple viewings for me to realize that cave system you saw at the beginning, which appears geographically far away from the Colossus. Very much so. There's a release up in the Colossus that will open, open a gate the, the down gate. there. And I'm trying to think, of how in the world does that happen? If Corinti can do that, he is the genius of <laughs> exactly. all geniuses. It's pretty amazing. His thing is, six of us can do it. And Dario is going... This is ridiculous. That's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> which is which is great, because Dario ends up trying to do it by himself. It's just hilarious. <laughs> Peliocles breaks a bunch of sticks as we're drawing short straws. This is where Dario... Laying next to a fire with the camera down, looking up from his feet. His short, short, short skirt is on. And he's trying to kind of, you can tell Rory Yeah, he's, he's doing moves that you wouldn't do <laughs> unless you're, you knew you were being filmed. And you're trying to hide <laughs> and your you're crotch. you're re- really, really hoping <laughs> yeah, they're going to see my junk. <laughs> but then he says, I'm out. I'm going to go solve this. Going to go see Diala. Mirte goes, I'm going to follow him. See what's going on. And this is a point in the movie where... We've now seen Murte at the very beginning with her brother, the assassination. We've never seen many discussions between her and Dario. And she's following him now. And Dario goes right back to Rhodes and he goes to Diala. She is a very vain woman. Spoiler, she's a villain. They kiss. Dario, he's going to go all in. He left the rebel camp just because I think he wanted to get laid. <laughs> no. <laughs> Jason, he did. He says, I want to meet your dad. Why? He's an old man. And he goes, ah, you're right. I'd like to get a little. And by the way, I want to get into the Colossus. And, um, you know, just in case I don't make it, my buddies are at 112 Maple Street. They're off in the Stone Desert. And then he's like making out on the balcony and Murte's watching him. And I'm assuming they went a little farther than just kissing on the balcony. He's just a hound. Just a tomcat. And also, as a great warrior, I think that one of your attributes would be able to maintain military secrets and just a willy-nilly throw away where a rebel base is to someone who you're trying to bet would be out of bounds. Hey, and I don't know, maybe carry a sword once in a while. <laughs> you ever notice that? He ne- yeah. never has a weapon no, exactly. on him. Exactly. He, he, well, he's on vacation. Doesn't matter if yeah. you're a great warrior. So they pull the sneak, and it's great because the whole sneak is the sneaky door is in the back foot of the Colossus. Who would have thought you to got, look for a secret door on, on one of the foot? To get up to the sneaky place, you go up because you're basically inside a leg. Not a lot of options. That cinematography at that point, I did say, okay, they're doing some. there's some filler in this movie because they watched them walk up those stairs. And I only needed them to see them do one rotation to say, hey, this is a far walk. 
to get a center. One rotation, two rotations, yeah. three rotations, four rotations. This is a little bit for me. Basically, you go up, and suddenly you're in a room with a bunch of gadgets. Yeah. So, I feel like I walked up those stairs with him. I was like, this is ab- too long. Absolutely. <laughs> and Dari's looking around going, oh, this is amazing. And he starts turning. I know, his- just by pulling gears. <laughs> like, all willy-nilly, like, what's this, what does this do? He's and just she's like, turning hey. crap, and she goes, wait, that's going to open up the gates for the prison. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and then he turns one gate, and Thar walks in. Of course he does. This is actually what might be the best shot sequence in the whole movie. I agree. There's this great little fight where Dario works his way up into the head of the Colossus, climbs out one of the eyes of the Colossus onto the arm, doing this whole sword fight thing with these guys, knocking them down and stuff. Then he goes, and, and dives 300 feet into the water. He does a flip, too. I thought that was interesting, too, that when he dove off, he did a flip. And I thought, flare, little flare. <laughs> That's what great warriors do, Jason. Exactly. I don't know if you knew this. Now, I didn't look this up, but I would say a 300-foot dive. I'm not sure... I mean, maybe you could survive that. It seems a little impractical. You can. You're just not. More often than not, you're not. Once you hit the water, it's not water. It's like it's as hard as concrete. And that was a part of the movie that, as a young boy, I would have loved to see. It was that fighting on the shoulder and the arms of the Colossus. But that scene also has a big reveal because that's when it's really revealed. Thar Thar One and Diala, they're in major cahoots. Yes. Um, so Corinti comes out of nowhere and, sa- and says, hey man, not cool what you're doing. You know, it's a total bummer. And now I'm going to go tell on you. For such a bright guy, he's awful stupid. Because of course Thar gives a little nod and the soldiers go, we're going to kill you. Diala just stands there. This is her father. I don't know if it was technically her father, but it was like the father figure. Yes. He raised her. I don't think that there's actually any blood between them. Whatever. That really doesn't yeah. mean yeah. squat. Yeah. If somebody raises you from a child... Then she just kind of goes, eh, whatever. So that's the end of Corinthe. You should have built in a secret escape hatch for yourself. Well, Thar, he chooses to kill so few people in this movie. And then this is the person that he's like, you know what? I'm, this is a line in the sand. Cold Out of all blood. the people he could have used who's inventing, even though he thinks he's doing something for the people, he's inventing weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, why not why capture just keep him? him? Why not just capture him? him? Yeah. yeah. And Wait till I King King series. And then afterwards, like, listen, there's no one for you to tell. You're just going to make more weapons for me. I was bothered by that scene. <laughs> I was more bothered by his stupidity. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought, you know what you do? You just play along go, man, I like what you guys are doing. I got some other ideas for some terrible weapons. He was huh? not. Huh? And then you get down, you sneak over to the king and go, these guys are trying to kill you. This is a terrible situation. <laughs> What's that? The Peter principle? You rise to your level of competency. So then meanwhile, Dario, he cruises back to the hideout. Well, first of all, the one guy shouted it out, and then he told Diala. So he rides back there, and there's Knifey and, and Merte. And everybody it, else is massacred. And they took Peliocles. They take people a lot when I would just think you would kill them. Yeah. Knifey and Merte are, are going, you happy, traitor? And he kicks hot ashes in, in yeah. Knifey's eyes. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of brutal. Well, they're going to kill him because he basically He seems like a traitor. Optics-wise, he's a traitor. He goes, I'm out of here. I'm going to... Going to the Coliseum, the Saturday murder matinee is going on. We're going to murder all my buddies, my new friends. And we go, and that is actually a pretty horrible place because all these people are showing up. They're dragging Peliocles and the big guy from Porky's. I don't know the names, but there's one big dude and Peliocles being drugged behind a chariot, which has the knives coming out. There's a guy hanging above a pit of lions by his wrists. And then Thar 3. Thar 3, is that... 
the Phoenician ambassador? Because I'm thinking, why does the Phoenician ambassador get to do this? I mean, that's a problem with the movie. It's well, no, so the hard to distinguish the, the characters. It's the Phoenician ambassador. He's the guy who's supposed to be hidden down there. I know. So supposed it, to be <laughs> hidden below, so I don't know. So there's this guy that looks exactly like Thar, and he goes over, and, he, and, he, and he's like, ha, 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 you're hanging above a lion pit. I'm going to shoot arrows, and I'm going to shoot the ropes out and make you drop in. But this guy's pretty awesome. And he's got great endurance because he's been hanging there a while. And as soon as he cuts one rope, he still has the strength to climb up. So dude goes over and he's like, man, I'm going to whip you now. And he grabs the whip and pulls and the guy loses his balance, falls in. Not a cool way to go. That's not how I want to go is falling into a pit full of lions. But you know what? He kind of earned it. True. You know? And then Dario shows up to his vent. He's walking in the stands he does the great double take. Yeah, he looks to the right, he looks to the left, he's like, do I have a clear chance to jump into the arena? And he does, and he grabs the chariot, and then he goes up and he kind of makes a speech to King Cersei's. And then right in front of him, all of a sudden this is when Thar's like, okay, let's pull the trigger on my plane. He told me that's, yeah, this is the time. Good, because Cersei's looking at him going, you be quiet, yeah. you Athenian, you round, 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 round. And, and I'm thinking this and is then the one boom. point. Then arrow through the heart. King All Sir. hell breaks loose. And why the arrows aren't trained to the rebels, I don't know. This is the Phoenician military that has sided with Thar that has now shot King Cersei's. So it's kind of an uproar because you have Phoenician military, you have the rebels, and you have the Rhodes guards themselves. <laughs> well, it's, and what's awesome is after this seeming betrayal, now the rebels are all, Dario, you're totally cool. You try to speak to King Cersei's on our behalf. I'm not sure you did really anything. You did get our rebel camp massacred. And they even say, they go, you can sit this last inning out, champ. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 I mean, they did, right? Paleocles yeah. says. And, and then Dario goes, huh, yeah, right. You know, and you know the secret entrance. To the Colossus. To the Colossus <laughs> and, and where the secret room is. And at that point, I just want to go. Yeah, I bet the secret door is around one of the feet. And the door in the room is somewhere inside that thing that's really easily mappable. <laughs> I think we got it. Thanks, bud. <laughs> then we get to Diala and Thar 2. They're like chopping it up in the classes. Yeah. About it. And Thar 2 is the Phoenician guy. And he goes, you know, hey, my work here is about done. So I'm going to book it. You know? And congratulations on being the new queen of Rhodes, by yeah. the way. And then Dario and Nyfi or Koros. Koros. They get in. Koros was going to kill him, and, and then he basically said, he's like, hey man, can I join you? Yeah. He doesn't apologize. I know you kicked hot ash into my eyes, yeah. and, and I'll and probably it, never see out this right I, eye again. I know you informed <laughs> and got all my friends killed. killed. But know what? Hey, bygones be guys, you bygones. Ju- you did jump in. You did jump into that chariot and give a speech. So you're cool by me, bud. It's just a bunch of fighting for the next couple scenes. Oh, yeah. Fighting. Well, well, someone's fighting. Someone. They, they get up to the room, and they're opening, and it reminds me of um, the scene in Young Frankenstein when the <laughs> bookcase turns. Yes. Because the gate kept opening, <laughs> like guys are going <laughs> out, and then it will close. <laughs> and I can't remember the line. I had it I had it somewhere. Move the candle. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Move. Don't. Dario's opening they push him away then Knifey goes up and he's and he opens it and Peleocles and they're like oh let's get out of here and then Thar I think it's Thar comes and stabs Koros yes he does Rebels are escaping from the cavern. They finally get Dario. They've got about 20 freaking beers and knives and every sort right down. And Diallo goes, no, no, don't kill him. What I really find odd. This she, is where I think she actually does love him. What I love is she says, we'll have more time later. Exactly. I looked at the quote and I was like, kill him now. Any one of these dozen men can just go, derp. 
I mean, she does fancy him, but it was just it was just an odd thing. So the rebels are trying to break into the Colossus with the battering ram. And the head opens up with the new catapults, which is actually a cool, a cool thing because they have the catapults. But when the head opens, it looks like a crown. Yeah. So that's, that's that, that was, was cool. kind of a cool I little so. effect. That yeah. special effect. But, yeah. But what was great? Yeah, they have this like molten stuff, and they're flinging it out with the catapult. And now everybody, for some reason, knows what a catapult is. Yeah. Just fascinating to me. It was a brand new invention that nobody's ever heard of. And now it's... it's hey, why? Ooh, he's hitting us with those catapults. catapults. And then a storm is brewing. And so everybody's fighting You know what? I'm going to just say it. Being inside a bronze statue, 300 feet tall, not the no, best place to no, be when there's exactly. a lightning storm coming around. The storm is brewing, and it's a bad omen. The superstitious soldiers have been supporting Thar in the Colossus. They leave, and Thar's like, they've forsaken me. And yes. so he's going to leave, too. And then the ground starts rumbling a little well, that, bit. That's when the Phoenician guy goes downstairs yeah. and says, hey, you guys can't leave. Yeah. And one of them goes, yeah, right. Yeah, stabs, and stabs him. him. <laughs> and then Thar is up, and he's peeking out, and he's yeah. seeing And that's another, it was another Mel They're Brooks moment. Here. Yes, <laughs> He kept looking for the Phoenician. He said, the Phoenicians are here. Reminded me of Blazing yeah. Saddles. <laughs> You know, the Phoenicians are almost here. He said the Phoenicians are near. <laughs> but it but it wasn't. <laughs> and then I can't figure who's fighting who, but everybody's fighting on the street of Rhodes. And Thar One has this look. Looks like I picked the wrong week to schedule a coup. I mean, because all hell's breaking loose. Yes. He's got this horrible storm. The earthquake's coming. Finally, Thar it just goes, ah, I'm done. I gotta go. This stinks. You have the main villain, and he's killed by a sub-character. I, I don't even know the name of the character. You've seen I, him in the background, but yeah, I mean, Thar he, gets killed by him. He's what? a guy we know, but I don't even know if they name him. And then the storm and the earthquake, they're increasing. Actually, very well done. And I gotta be honest, I sort of liked it that a secondary character killed Thar. I thought that was cool, because honestly, D- Dario didn't earn that kill. He's been and, handcuffed and, until now, and Diala lets him yeah, go. And you know what? He's still up there trying to make time with Diala, yeah. and then the earthquake crushes her under a bunch of gears, and he's still hanging up there. I kind of just question him. He gets out of the Colossus, the Colossus falls, and then we're at a bright new next day. You see Dario, you see his uncle ride up on a donkey. <laughs> his uncle's Says a lot like, about hey, him. Are you staying in Rhodes? And what does he say, Michael? Points out Murte and he said, he said, oh, oh, of course he find a woman. He said, that's that's my woman. He doesn't even have a relationship with Murte. Like, didn't even talk maybe like seconds in the movie. Dude, an hour ago, she <laughs> thought you were a traitor. Yeah. And technically you were. You did inform. <laughs> but he says, no, I'm, I'm going to stick around. You know, there's a lot to rebuild here. After all, this is the island of peace. And that's how the movie womp, ends. Womp, womp. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hit the wink at the camera, and, like and a that, little sparkle on his teeth as he smiled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> in his short shirt. You got to ride side saddle in that outfit, yeah. I would think. So that's the end. So Michael, let me ask you, since I chose the movie, <laughs> would you recommend this movie? <laughs> well, we've talked about this. And, and I feel like there's always a caveat. And with this one, Sergio Leone. I didn't know he did a movie like this. And it's his first direct, you know, directing credit. I'm happy to have seen it. I will probably never watch this movie again. It's not something I will seek out. It's shaky. It's not that good. I can't recommend it unless you're, you know, the deep dive. I got to get all my Sergio Leone or perhaps you're the Rory Calhoun fan. So, I mean, no but. 
That's that's what I'm going to yeah. say. From going forward, I'm going to go, you know, no but. Um, what about you? You know, I chose this. I had never seen it before. I thought I had seen it. I had never seen it before. I was trying to find something that was in the, the B genre of sword and sandal that had not been covered by something else. And this has not. I've never seen it mentioned or covered before. And I thought, okay, this will be a good try, particularly since I have it on War Archive DVD. It's shaky. It's convoluted. I think that if you're a 12-year-old boy or 12-year-old girl and you wanted to see an epic action adventure that you didn't have to really focus on, there's no blood. This is one of the movies where people get stabbed by swords all the time and no one... One really, it's like an old G.I. Joe cartoon. I do have to interrupt there because a 12 year old in 2021 is not going to watch this. There is so much downtime. And I agree. The movie's way too long. There's so much slow pacing. And, and I don't mind that in movies. I think a 12 year old would go, why hasn't The Rock jumped from one Colossus to another? Exactly. With a battle act, which would have made it cool. I don't think I'd watch it again. I would say the same thing. If you're a Sergio Leone fan and you wanted to see an early movie that he was given his one of his first directorial credits for and to see how his career started, then give it a shot. But it's hard else to recommend. I'm sure we'll cover another sword and sandal eventually in this journey. But th- this not is not... by my choice. <laughs> <laughs> this no, is not no, one I'm, that I would go no, back to. <laughs> I'm kidding. It, it, it would probably end up being like, I'm going to get you back with yeah. like an early 80s one. Exactly. And I think my, the most takeaway that I had was a deep dive into Rory Calhoun. <laughs> I thought that he was in an interesting career, interesting. And there's no biography on him. I thought, oh, why has someone written a biography on him? I will point out that there's an interviewer in Nebraska in the 80s. Her name is Lita Pal Drake. I don't know if you've ever seen any of her interviews. On They're all on YouTube now. She does a, has a very interesting interview style. She interviews him. And there's an 83 YouTube video. We'll link out to our show notes. Hard no, to recommend it's, it's this a movie. Tough one. I'm so glad we had this beer, though. Yes, oh, it made it so much easy. The Milpocalypse. That I it's can the, recommend. The Alpha and the Omega. The time yeah. has come. I, I kind of like that. There's something almost ominous. The time has come. Belgian quad beer. This thing, I'm still sipping it. Yeah, I'm, so am I. Cheers. I'm feeling it. This beer, this beer is flipping amazing. I would say one last thing. If you're in high school or middle school and you're asked to do a report on the Colossus of Rhodes or Seven Wonders of the World, don't watch this movie and report as historically accurate because you will fail. There's nothing historically accurate about this movie. Don't fall for that. I'm, I'm going to counter that and say, please use us in your high school and give them our, our they can write to us. I will respond in kind. But yeah, no, Millstream, Mil thank you again for for taking care of us and for being fans. I mean, that's because that's this is how it all started. I was a fan of Millstream, and then they became a fan of us, and that's how all of this kind of came together. I can't tell you how happy I've been sipping on this thing. It's just been such a great experience. And talking about this movie and drinking this beer. Absolutely. This, this is a great day. It is. This is, a, this is like, can't beat it. So thank you. And uh, that wraps up our show. Please like, subscribe, and comment where you listen. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website. This is Beer and B Movies. I'm Michael. And I'm Jason. 